0: It's time to Accelerate! Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Joining me today is Jeremy Boudinet. He's the Director of Marketing at Ambition an employee productivity platform that drives people and process with goals, scorecards, contests, and analytics. Jeremy, welcome to Accelerate.
1: Hey, Andy. Thank you for having me. Uh, pleasure to be on. So,
0: take a minute, introduce yourself, maybe uh, tell us how you ended up at Ambition.
1: Yeah. Um, Jeremy Boudinet, Director of Marketing here. I uh, um, ended up at Ambition. I've been with them for two and a half years. Uh, very unorthodox path to uh, to this role, I uh, yeah, graduated yeah, with a, lo- a law degree, <laughs> <graduate>. right? <laughs> right, yeah. I've, I've got JD um, that I do not use, never plan on using ever. Hopefully.
0: <laughs> so, so what was the what was the, the drive to go to law school?
1: So, I I always thought growing up that I wanted to get to law school. I've always loved writing and reading and debating, all that sort of stuff. And I wasn't good at those; have been my strengths really. And graduate the poli sci degree. From uh, UT Knoxville. And, you know, really, when you do that. University of Tennessee,
0: for those who. who Yes, yeah. University of Tennessee
1: volunteers. And uh, when you do that, Andy, you really leave yourself very few options. (laughs) Hey, I was
0: was a history major, so I identify 100%.
1: Yeah. And so I went up to Pittsburgh, uh, graduated the law degree, was very un. Happy with kind of the job prospects, and i law school. Hated law, and did not really study probably as hard as I should have for the bar.
0: <laughs> so, so the reading and the writing part weren't as fun at that point.
1: Now, when you're reading a you know super archaic uh, court decision from the Third District of Pennsylvania, and working out brief for an attorney, and spending ten hours in Westlaw researching trying to find a case that that matches what you're. Your argument is it can get pretty demoralizing. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, ended up turning to a, recru- a recruiter actually for the legal industry. I lived in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, I was colleagues though from college with the co-founders of Ambition, and they are the they were the first company, first startup out of Tennessee to get into Y Combinator. Graduated from Y Combinator, uh, which is a you know startup accelerator program, mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley. of twenty fourteen. Uh, got a bunch of venture capital backing and hired me as their first business team member uh, to do marketing, to do content, to um, try to try to help spread the word about ambition and and what we're solving for.
0: So they were banking on your in-depth experience with content creation and so on uh, as a lawyer.
1: Yeah, and um, I mean between you, me, and your listeners, I uh, I might have had a mini uh, entrepreneurial thing going on in college. <laughs> back in the day where I, I'd help people with papers ah, um, uh-huh. writing and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I've always, I've always, uh, been, been willing to to write stuff. I, I, I just love to, to get my thoughts down on paper and I love to help people. And, uh, I've, I immediately, when they told me the job description, I was like, this, this is so perfect for me. I have to take this. So I dropped, I was studying for the Florida bar, uh, Pretty much bail on that. Just moved up here, and that was in May of 2014. No, well, there you go. So, what was the
0: impetus to start Ambition? What What was the problem they were trying to solve?
1: Yeah. So they are um, three co-founders, and we had a fourth co-founder uh, as well. They uh, They basically got off college and knew they wanted to get into tech and be entrepreneurs. They're all business guys. Uh, started two previous companies. One was called Reticker. Um, and that was called Fireplug. And uh, we're based out of Chattanooga. Uh, they were in the Lamppost Group, which is the the major um, investment group there. And they the first two ideas were were good, but they weren't – they are B2C. They weren't really growing as fast. And they ended up getting inspiration from actually where Lamppost Group's founders came from, which was they started a company called Access America Transport, Which ended up being like the 12th biggest third-party logistics company in North America, got bought by Coyote Logistics, got bought by UPS. And so, what they did access, they had you know all these logistics brokers doing all these calls, and they create a way to start doing fantasy football for sales, if you will, and uh, running these really like intense competitions and like scoring people based on you know just like a fantasy football player gets points for scoring a touchdown or, or catching a pass or whatever. Uh, they create a way to score people for, you know, closing deals, getting revenue, making calls, et cetera. And so our guys were talking to them and they were like, why don't we try to create a, uh, a software version of this that really is around uh, scoring people and turning work into a more fun, collaborative experience, uh, give more opportunities for recognition and really appealed to like this very millennial idea of, of you know gamifying things or uh, uh, keeping keeping track of keeping a score of some sort you know so that um yeah that was a couple of years ago and since then we've grown ambition into this really just total sales performance platform um, it started out with uh, the the team sales contest and we got featured in Harvard Business Review we had all these great accolades but they kept adding on to the product and now we uh, we have like employee goals. Any employee can track their goals on ambition. And what ambition does really, I should say, is that it takes all your metrics from all of your data systems. Could be Salesforce, could be a phone system, could be a system like Peoplesoft, or just manually uploaded. And it tracks them in real time. And so you can essentially, if you're a manager, track all your metrics from any data source and like apply them to your reps. Have benchmarks that your reps are supposed to hit. Uh, broadcast the leaders on each of those metrics, and have a way to like have transparency and like recognition for different parts of your organization. So a lot of people, we're mostly sales teams still use us, but we have like account management teams, client success teams, uh, even some marketing teams who use us as well. So uh, really exciting to be a part of it. It's a it's it's a fun. Fun mission (laughs) to be to be a part of. So, is is it being used
0: mostly by just sort of real the activity intensive tasks or roles like SDRs, for instance, and not so much for you know field reps or account execs? I mean, how does that sort of mix work out with your customers?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It definitely works best. Uh, I think we've seen the most success with inside sales teams or even like uh, call center teams who are maybe on the support side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but people who have a very repeatable process and all that. But we also have like field sales reps who like the purpose of it with them sometimes is to have them have visibility. They're on the field. They're not connected to the office, not all in the office together and give visibility into what they're doing. And uh, they get visibility into what everyone else is doing. Just have the, the whole team on the same page. So as like the sales process in a lot of industries is getting more segmented, it's a good way to like ensure there's no um, silos that end up being created, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, it, the more appeal the process, I would say, definitely the better the success. Um, and the more transparency and recognition and energy matters to your team, the better as well. So
0: in... Um... Is the gamification something that's really? I'm always sort of fascinated by this. I mean, we see a lot of gamification elements in products that are put out.
1: Is it being used? Great question. Um, I mean, so the game. The, and by the way, just quick aside about gamification. I've always like really struggled with that term myself, even as the marketing director, because <laughs> you know you could say scoring, uh, you know, creating a, a score for someone's gamification. You could say having a leaderboard. Of any kind's of gamification. Um, you know, really all we're doing is it, it's funny how you tell people like characterize it. But well, to I me, see it,
0: to me the gamification is I mean, you have a, a uh, scorecard that could be individual and private, but once you start broadcasting it, everybody's in comparison, then yeah, competition starts up, whether you want to call it gamification or not. Let's call it competition.
1: Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. Is is really it, yeah? I'd say the it's all about competition. So it's taking all that, you're right. Those internal metrics and metrics that maybe only your reps are seeing, or you as a manager are only looking at every you know end of the week. Yes, yeah, spreadsheet. You're like pouring through, which we all hate. Um, and you're publicizing it all, and it's it, it inherently creates competition. Whether you're like really that's your main focus or not, uh, your main focus might just be to have visibility. And uh, transparency and stuff. It's funny, Mark Kosakow, who um, outreach VP of sales, who uses us. He's gotten the record as being, you know, we're. It's all about transparency. He doesn't even think about competition or anything like that. He just wants. Transparency and well, so well,
0: but he doesn't have to think about the competition because who thinks about it are the the, the reps themselves. That's true. So, no, that
1: is, that's a very good point. Right, so, as a manager, uh,
0: you can say, yeah, I, I don't care about the competition part." But as soon as you put out a scoreboard that has ten people on it and what their metrics are or their scorecards, trust me, it's like it's like saying that the kids at a you know youth football or youth youth soccer game they're not keeping score.
1: Oh yeah, they are. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah they no, are. No, absolutely. And um, I think a great way to look at is you know every rep is every person in sales is in competition. It's like you're in competition to beat quota. It's you versus quota, right? And um, or whatever your your version of quota is. So well, it, it, it is. Now, it is that.
0: But I'll, my experience has been, I said over years and years of doing that. Yeah, I I wanted to beat quota, but I always wanted to beat everybody else as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this now is this takes that and brings it to your entire sales force, and it's uh, it's funny how people respond to it. In um, the the Harvard Business Review article on us, they they really they interviewed Clayton Homes, Fortune One Thousand home builder, was using a sixty person team uh, in Knoxville, and they talked to all the reps, and they it's funny they see it as competition, but they also see it. As collaboration. Like they see it as um, we're on the same, we're all working together and we're all, everyone's everyone else is working too, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So there's, well, it's, it's like group,
0: group accountability you're talking about.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, it brings group accountability to the forefront, kind of too. And I'm sure people saying that might are probably not the people who might be struggling, but there's ways, ambition is great because you can structure it to where. You know, you're only publicizing leaders, maybe you're not publicizing people who are struggling, or maybe you are if you want to do that. Um, but it's really able to basically make whatever part of your data you want public, um, make it public and clear, and sort of build ways to motivate your reps around it um, in like a perpetual way that you don't have to to fuss with, and you don't have to like go and. And pour through reports to look at Salesforce reports and be like, "Oh, great job, so and so." It's just it's automatically happening. Right. So and it sounds like, like one well, of the things. About... Go
0: ahead. Why well, was gonna say it? So it sounds like one of the the key features. And just to make sure people who are listening are understanding. Is is at the heart of it? Sort of the scorecard. And let's say for SDRs, they have to make so many calls and send so many emails and maybe some social touches and you know follow ups and so on. And as I understand, what you do is you assign. Like a point value to each of those activities, and then people have to achieve a certain point value uh, to be meeting their goals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, you know, and the thing I like about then so sort of fascinating, you know, the fascinating that you've you've automated that is that yeah, I use that methodology for years with the reps that I managed and the professionals I managed is is yeah, let's have if they really want to understand whether they're getting things done is is. I had a boss that <laughs> introduced me to this, like i not taking credit for it, but we called it a box score. But it's a similar type thing. It was, you know, it was a little scorecard where you had, you know, certain point value for each of these different types of activities. And I had point goals for the days of the week. And you know, at the end of the week, you know, I looked at my point total more so than each of the individual activities.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. It's funny what you just described. We've, we've had a lot of clients who were doing that before Ambition. I think that's a, that is a a common way to, to that's, you know, it's predates, you know, what what we are. Um, but it's, it's just a simple way to understand and contextualize, you know, what your data means, um, and, and what it means to you and how and see how you're doing really in, in four ways, you versus your, your goals, your benchmarks, you versus your peers, you versus, um, uh, your team versus another team or, um, uh, you versus uh, your past performance, which is another kind of cool thing about it. We let you very easily see, um, you know, how you how you're doing this week as opposed to last week or the week before, um, and across all kinds of different metrics. So, yeah, I think it's important. I think you know, there's so much research out there that really just hammers home the need to to use competition, use accountability, and use um, you know proper recognition standards and and have it all fit well within your process and when you start doing that then you're you're basically you know that that's the ultimate form of, of management because you can have people start becoming self accountable and accountable to their own success and you don't have to worry about you know going over and making sure everyone's doing what they need to be doing people are holding themselves accountable they're holding each other accountable um, which is the the ideal yeah no, for, I agree for I, any VP of sales right I,
0: and I think going back to to an earlier point about the scoring system, again for people listening, is is you know, one of the real values, whether you're doing it manually or using a system like Ambition, is that not all activities are weighted equally. So having the ability to assign different yeah. point values to different types of activities, you know, at the end of the week, it's the score, it's not the absolute number of activities. And this is this is you know, a subtle distinction for some people, but I think they really need to think about it because you know, if you're saying everything's worth one point, you know, an outbound call, r- responding, following up to an inbound lead, uh, sending out an email touches, da 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 da. You look at it; they're not all the same. You know, yeah. what do you, what do you value? And at the end, you know, if the mix comes up to that score that you want to have, then that's more important than the absolute number of activities. So it's 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 really important. It's that people understand that, and I said something I know that you support with your system.
1: Yeah, no, I mean you, you nailed it. Really, and that's I mean that's really the reason. Things like us need to exist because, it, like you said, not all activities are created equally. You know, things matter more uh, to different, you know, different roles, and a phone call might matter less than, you know, um, the ability to, to number of prospects touched. I mean, depending on what kind of of structure there is to your sales process, there's going to be uh, you know some disparities in terms of what matters. So yeah, True. we really just we really just want it to be clear. To everyone, the reps, the managers, how they're doing, what matters, and and uh, you know all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think the reinforcement you talked about is is again research is showing that it's oftentimes it's not the it's not the commission that the sort of the ultimate reinforcement for behavior that really drives and motivates people. A lot of times it's it's that small daily things, right? Yeah, you know, I've I did great today on this dimension, or I did better than everybody else on this, and the manager. You know, sends a little note saying, "Hey, great job today." And if you have that ability, that visibility to see it at that level, that micro level, that uh, that can oftentimes, be, I said, be more motivating than you know at the end of the month. Hey, you hit your goal.
1: Yeah, oh, hundred percent. I mean, you're exactly right. It's the, what people have always said is it's uh, reps are loyal to managers, not companies. You know, if you you know as a manager, if you're giving out that soft recognition and it's personalized and it's timely. And it's uh, public or, or private, but, you know, if it's public too, even better. And as a manager, if you're able to, like, get those, like, notifications coming to you, that's one of our our big features is we, we let managers set notifications for um, first person to hit, you know, a certain metric. Maybe it's like 50 calls mm-hmm. a day or hit, um, you know, a certain amount of revenue or whatever it is. Uh, they get an email notification telling them, so they don't have to like be on top of it. They can sell these up just to automatically go out and go out uh, in real time or go out at the end of each day, whatever they want. And then the other cool thing for us, Andy, is we got uh, another part of the product called the Proactivity Quadrant, which maps uh, reps based on how they're performing on a grid uh, that's you know four quad- like basically a matrix, four different uh, quadrants in it, uh, the x-axis is um, hustle or productivity metrics, phone calls, emails, um, whatever is kind of the daily activity stuff, and then the y-axis is your objectives. And that's another key thing about ambition too is we we segment your scoring into activities and objectives, so you can have your you're basically measured on you know your daily activity, how much you're doing, all that sort of stuff, but then you have a separate score that's. You know, maybe if you're an SER, how many qualified leads did you did you set today, or how many meetings did you set, or stuff like that? They're kind of like the the more goal attainment, like the ultimate goal of what you're trying to do. Um, so what you can do with this quadrant is you can see where you stand in terms of both hustle of your of your manager, have your whole team on there and see where you stand in terms of both hustle and goal attainment. So like the top left quadrant, those people are working very efficiently and they're not maybe making as many phone calls or emails. But they're hitting, you know, whatever their their quote, you know, weekly quota, whatever you have, um, better than other people. And then the bottom right would be the opposite: It'd be people who are working really hard and, you know, really trying to hustle and, and get stuff, but they're not getting a lot of good results. And so, if you're a manager, you can see that, and you can go and and say, okay, maybe this guy needs coaching. You know, he's been really working hard the last month, but he's not you know, succeeding for whatever reason. And it's data backed, it's basically a data backed way to also have better one-on-ones, you know, and have better coaching as well. So mm-hmm. that's, um, you know, there, there's all those components to it, but it's meant to really just like make, make everyone be on the same page and have everything be data backed in real time and, and very simple to see and understand, you know, so it's, yeah, yeah. Well, I
0: could, and I, as I was looking at that that quadrant, and and what really struck me is that it would really be kind of cool. You see that sort of if you could like drill down, you get that data as you said. Somebody's in the upper left-hand quadrant there, or maybe the either quadrant, upper left, lower right, is you then like dig into like an insight squared, so you could really say on a deal by deal basis. Ah, okay. Why is this behavior reflected this way, right? Well, this person's yeah. yeah, this person's. Gosh, what they're doing is they're they're leading with a proposal quickly and they're flushing out the unqualified prospects and and you know they've got a higher close rate. Maybe they're working fewer prospects a higher close rate. Ah, okay. Is that behavior that might be worthwhile for people in the lower right? So yeah, it, it's it's to me it's it's a good screen to to work through.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Another thing, you know, as you're Basically, going to is if you have everyone mapped. Like ideally, you want people who you know, like almost like a straight diagonal line up through the quadrant. That would show you your process is really being ideal because it's tied the activity and the objective. Um, there's like a one-to-one ratio at each level. Um, so people are doing more activities are the ones getting the most goal attainment, um, and the ones doing less activities are getting less goal attainment. So you can also assess the you know the quality of your benchmarks of the metrics you're measuring of, of what your entire process is and find out if there's disparities, like go to people who are the outliers and say, Hey, what are you doing? It's different. Um, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I mean, that, that's what we like, you know, we call gamification sometimes. And that's, it's funny because this is like a score base. There really is like a gamification kind of is like the foundation of it. Cause it's a way to see all this stuff. Um, but you don't have to have the scoring even for, it. you can see metric by metric. You'd see calls to deal sure. or stuff like that. So it's, it's almost just a business intelligence tool, but it's very, you know, kind of very sales, sales oriented. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of other um, professions that where it's that well suited for um, as much as sales.
0: Yeah, well, it's certainly for salespeople. It's always been the plus and minus, right? It's, it's always about just what you do, and the minus size, it's all just about what you do. So, <laughs> um, so who's the ideal client profile for Ambition?
1: Great question, and we have, and like as the marketing director, by the way, this has been a just fun, very challenging two and a half years working with that because we have very different ICPS based on the industry as um, a lot of SaaS companies do. I feel like um, we work really well with uh, like larger teams. I'd say if you have twenty or more reps, that's that's better. You get more value out of us um, if you're a big inside sales team. And you know you really are are have a rhythmic daily you know sort of thing you got going on then that's a really great we're, we're great for that but we're also great for segmented teams who um, you know you have SERs, you have account executives maybe you have sales engineers um, and you, you're able to go and, and have transparency throughout all your different roles so um, I'd say the smaller teams you probably don't necessarily need like need something like this as much, and we're also kind of pricey, so you might not be, re- be <laughs> good, ready good, for good it. Good
0: qualifying statement. There you go.
1: Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, I think anyone who has a process that's that's down and is. Uh, uh, activity driven is going to get really good results from us. Um, and uh, You don't have to be a Salesforce user with us too. It's nice. That's another differentiator with us. Is uh, you can you know you can have multiple systems. You can have just one other different system. We have a, a big client, West Corporation. Uh, they use Peoplesoft mm-hmm. with us, and uh, so we just have an API plugin with that. And their call center. But you have APIs,
0: and, APIs for CRMs other than Salesforce.
1: Um. Yeah. So we. I mean, really not so much, maybe like dynamics is probably we, we could we we can do all this stuff, but it's not we, we don't have a lot of like client use cases with mm-hmm. it, so I, I hesitate to really um you know push it out there. But yeah, it's I mean, you know, dialers too is another one where any, any phone dial like Cisco we have a one click integration with Cisco, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff. So yeah, it, it's a very um, we're able to be very versatile that okay. way. And all right. Get all
0: your, all your data. So basically, what you're saying is, bring us a big enough opportunity, and we'll see what we can do.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's uh, which is uh, uh, you know the standard, the, the standard for a SaaS company of our size. <laughs> yeah,
0: standard yeah. for standard for tech companies of any size. So, um, right. so speaking of which, now what are you primarily? Your customers primarily in the tech business.
1: We uh we have a it's funny how it works out. We have a lot of, of tech companies who do use us. Um, we're very I mean some of our best, like longest users are like Drew Woodcock, um of Sales at Chownow, uh Mark Cosaglo, you know, at Outreach, uh Dallas Hoganson, Lyft. Those are examples of that. And then we also work we have logistics call, massive logistics client for us. Um, uh, we we really start out with logistics um, with them. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it, we also have a lot of e commerce companies too, though. Uh, like, uh, my wedding is a very successful company with us. By the way, my wedding is, is 30. I think it's, it's like 35. Like, and they're all women. There's a, it, it's interesting. Some people think this is a, you know, fancy sales, macho guy, only thing that's not, that's not been the case. Um, but yeah, I'd say like e-commerce companies, like, like my wedding peak is another one we've helped, we've done well with. Um, foresight. There's a ton of them. Okay. So it's, yeah, it really spans industries and chances are there's people using it, you know, if you whatever industry you're in. Alright, good. So now we move to the last segment of the show where I've got standard
0: questions. I ask all my guests, a very popular segment of the show. The first question is actually a hypothetical scenario that you, Jeremy, are the star of. And so in this case, you've just been hired as the VP of sales by a company whose sales have stalled out. And CEO is, is anxious to get on sales unstuck and back on track so we got to get a sales turnaround going. So your first week on the job what two things could you do that would have the biggest impact
1: um, two biggest things um, I would I would interview every single rep and and go and talk to them uh, anecdotally get the anecdotal evidence about about why things have sold out what you know get all their thoughts on what the process is also you know you kind of earn their trust a little bit that way um, second thing I would do is uh, you just got to dive into the data and do a do a full audit of um, and really looking at like your client like the process from okay how is marketing uh, impacting this is it client where, where's the where is the problem like is it a um, is it something we can control? Is it something we can fix? Is it a seasonal thing? Is it, um, you know, what, basically wherever it is use the data to find it. Um, so it, I think it really depends on, if I was VP of sales, would you say it was a tech company or yeah, it is it a, whatever uh, company you want? Whatever company you want? Okay, yeah, so I, it would depend but I'd say in my industry that would, that'd be my my full approach. Right. And, uh, yeah. Right. so
0: do you ever get a chance to go out and sell?
1: I I actually do. I go out and um, I uh, yes. I, I've, I've had some accounts. I've I've worked oh, okay. on my own. So,
0: good. So here's so, <laughs> I'm a terrible, so here's the question. So yeah. when you are outselling you, Jeremy, are outselling. What's your strongest, most powerful sales attribute?
1: I would say it is the it's it's getting in. It's the initial part. It's getting in and um, you know that initial conversation. I'm a I'm a terrible closer, Andy. I can I can come in and I know how to start the conversation and earn your trust and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I, I really like I, I just have a hard time with the uh, the closing asset. But I'm good, I think my it's kind of goes into why I think I'm good at marketing, is is we're able to <laughs> to <laughs> go and, and, and figure out what people's needs are very quickly and instead of just selling them the product, figure out what the issue is. You know, quickly see where we can add value and um, uh, tailor know how to, to pitch us based on what their their role is, their industry is, uh, how they've interacted with us, what their relationship is with um, other technology, all the the things that really should be informing uh, your sales process. Right. So, well, yeah, hey,
0: give me a little bit of time. I can teach you how to be a good closer. <laughs> And, and actually, yeah, no. and the way I teach people is by showing them that deals close themselves. So, so you want to talk about that? We can talk about uh, that out there.
1: It's funny, by the way. My uh, my brother is a Presidents Club account executive. He's younger. He's twenty six. Presidents Club account executive for a SaaS company um, in Austin, and uh, he got the closer. He had the natural closer attributes. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> um, See,
0: I don't believe there are such things. So anyway. Um, <laughs> The natural closer attributes are really just annoying to most customers. So, all right. So next question. So maybe you just answer the question. Who's your sales role model?
1: Sales role model. Um, great question. I would say um, I'd actually say my dad for this. Okay. Uh, he uh, and it's funny. He's been VP of sales. He he actually has been in sales his whole life. He was the youngest sales director with Heinz. Mm-hmm. Um, He was the uh, VP of sales for a company called Orsling Beef where he came in and had zero sales reps and he he grew them and then became Bob of My Natural Foods. He worked with them for several years and and managed a massive sales team. And he's a sales, he's a guy who um, everything he told me, like when he found out what ambition was the first week about um, you know, I basically just grilled him like nonstop about sales management, you know, and, and sales general. And he, everything he told me over the last two and a half years has only been reinforced. And it's amazing. I think one of the first interviews I did, at ambition was with him. And it, it, like I go back and read it, it's like ten questions, and it's almost like just stuff that everything that's basically been repeated. Mm. Every sales influencer series interview I've done. So yeah, he's. He's my role model with that, and uh, I'm lucky that I'm very. That's one of the things that I've been fortunate with is I have family members I can call and talk to. All right. <laughs> you know, a couple times a week, and and you know, get their insights about stuff. Cool.
0: So, what's one book you would recommend to every salesperson read?
1: Um, I love the Sales Acceleration Formula uh, by Mark Roberge. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and he talks a lot about a lot of the stuff we've discussed in here about. Um, you know, like even like scoring yeah. reps and figuring out how to segment stuff and marking his role in things, and um, having just a very aligned like process. And I think what he did at HubSpot was just excellent. And uh, you know, that's kind of like the very scientific. There's, I mean, everyone says it, it's it's true. Sales is half art, half science. And uh, he he really, to me, set the the bar high for like how you can scientifically. Sort of lead your sales team. I'd say another guy, um, I forget the book name, but, but Mike Weinberg, mm-hmm. um, sales management simple. Right, right. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Both those guys are, are good friends of the show and good friends. So, uh, and Mark, yeah, you know, is now teaching at Harvard, Mark Robert. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, last question for you What music's on your playlist?
1: Oh God! Uh, you don't know this, Andy. I'm, I'm a huge, huge music lover. I uh, I like. I'm a guy who. Literally, my two favorite things to read are are sport about sports and about about music history. I've got like ten like music history books like at home actually. Um, on my playlist right now, I've been listening to a lot of uh, new wave, a lot of, a lot of '80s, mm-hmm. um, and new bands. There's a lot of new bands that are. Uh, um, Like the hotel year and all that stuff, but I think I also love rap. I'm a lifelong rap lover, and uh, basically anything Wu Tang Clan, anything um, you know, uh, Dirty South rap, if you will. I I love. I think uh, a little, little,
0: little, a little old school in the hip hop. Yeah,
1: I can go old school. I can go new school. I uh, you know I'm a very I'm a very uh, flexible music music listeners. It's kind of a hard question for me to answer. <laughs> well you gave me gave me lots to choose
0: from there. So that's good. Well Jeremy I want to thank you for being on the show today. Tell folks how they can find out more about Ambition and connect with you.
1: Yeah um, ambition, Ambition.com uh, go check it out. We've uh, we're the the number one category leader for GT Crowd and sales performance management. That's based on user reviews. We're the AISP uh, gamification and recognition Top service provider for 2016 um, on the app exchange too, as well. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at ambition sales. Um, We're also on LinkedIn. You can find me, Jeremy. at ambition.com and uh, check out the ambition blog as well. And sales influencer series where I'm usually on your side of things, (laughs) asking guys uh, what they're doing. Um, yeah, but thanks so much. Hey, my pleasure. It's been
0: great. And uh, yeah, thanks for being on the show. And and friends, remember, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And the easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, listen in on your commute in the gym, or make it part of your morning sales meeting. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Jeremy Boudinnet, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.